Hi everybody, it's your host Jamie here. This week you might notice that the audio quality of our show is not up to its usual five-star par. And the reason for that is that uh, we are currently sheltering in place due to the COVID-19 virus. And Jack is unable to join us in the studio, but we have him coming through on Google Hangouts and joining us after watching the movie. So you might notice a slight difference in our usual audio quality, but we wanted to make sure that we didn't let this interfere with our ability to entertain you, and we hope that you'll forgive this minor inconvenience for the chance to be entertained and elucidated. So enjoy the show. Okay, guys, I got it. So in Bright, the orcs are supposed to be the real world equivalent Wait, of... wait, hold on. No, I don't want to get into that at all. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. But I figured out that the elves are the uh-uh, real world Uh-uh, uh-uh. We're, we're not doing this. All right, well, the centaurs are at least the real world equivalent of horse people. Yeah, I can see that. Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Mokel, here with my bright co-hosts. I'm your co-host, Jack Olander. I may be a wizard, but I sure ain't that bright. <laughs> and I'm your other co-host, Chelsea Hollowell. A poor elf who was just born yesterday, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I can see that. <laughs> well, if you couldn't tell from our intro this week, we watched Bright from 2017, directed by David Ayer, director of Suicide Squad and End of Watch, and starring Will Smith, Joel Edgerton, Numi Rapace, and Lucy Fry. But before we get too far into our discussion, I think Chelsea has a summary ready to go. Locked and loaded. Here's your summary for Bright. So we have a modern fantasy movie taking place in L.A. This was a fantasy movie? (laughs) (laughs) We follow cop partners, cop buddies... Not really buddies. Ward and Jacoby. Jack- Jacoby. 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 Ward <laughs> <Jacob>. and... Jacoby. <laughs> Ward and Jacoby. Right? Jacoby. <laughs> <laughs> Ward and... Wait, what is it again? <laughs> Jacoby. Jacoby. That's such a weird name. Isn't that a human name? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, yo. Ward and Jacoby, who um, Ward is played by Will Smith, and Jacoby is an orc. <laughs> it's, I'm glad that they finally found a starring role for an or, for an orc actor. Exactly. There's a lot of interspecies strife in this modern urban magic setting, and the two cops are just trying to get by, survive the day as they go around their rounds, do their job. They're called in on a disturbance late at night. Dun dun dun. And it was way above their pay grade and they had no idea. So they go in and they're taking shots immediately. And they they infiltrate this building and lo and behold, it's been hit up by a bright because in this setting magic wielders are called brights and they can use wands to to do magic classic magic users and their fucking wands now normally in this setting only elves can be brights but occasionally 
A human can too. One in a million. Yeah. So actually, quite a few. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's not that that's not that bad. Yeah, you probably know a couple brights. They find an elf woman named Tika who refuses to speak English. And uh, we learn out, we, we find out later that it's just because she didn't trust them. Good thing but, Samuel L. Jackson wasn't here to chide her. <laughs> <laughs> and they find out she's on the run from her sister, her elf sister, Layla. Who wants to get this wand back? Tika has stolen the wand so that Layla and her followers cannot bring back the Dark Lord. Oh, I know that guy. So it's your basic thwarting the apocalypse story. And it's also a story of alliances and fighting against racism most of the time. Is that what they're doing? It's what they tried to do. And loyalty to one's species or club. In the end, the characters, together with Tika, defeat Layla in an epic magic battle and one with some slapstick comedy involved. And they escape a roaring inferno and they're rewarded at the end for thwarting an underground conspiracy. The end. What, what was the slapstick comedy in the final fight? Okay, so in the end, it's kind of like revealed that Ward himself is a bright, and when he gets hold of the magic wand to take out Layla, he is kind of acting like he doesn't know what to do, and he and Ward kind of, or he and Jeff, Jacoby. Jacoby. He and Jacoby have an aside Jacoby. where Jacoby. <laughs> where they are just kind of talking back and forth about what to do and they're yelling at each other about like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I should use the wand, huh? All right. Well, that was a rousing summary. I think it's time for the Delve. This is The Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, lore, and making of Bright. So guys, there's a lot of yelling at each other in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah! Everybody trying to yell about their plans, and then other people yelling at those people to just calm down. A lot of, shut up! No, you shut up! No, you shut up! Just chill, bro! Yeah! <laughs> um... But he yeah, who swears first gets the last say. That sounds <laughs> yeah. right. That sounds yeah, there was right. a lot of the B word being thrown around. Man, it it's blended so seamlessly into the uh, dialogue that I didn't even notice. It was yeah. almost exclusively Will Smith who said that word. Oh yeah, well, that's why. That's why. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I, how could you say that? Oh, my bad. <laughs> um. So, let's talk about some of the most important pieces of lore that people will need to know. First of all, we were told of a prophecy that only a bright can control the power of a wand. And that's when we find out throughout the movie that only elves really are brights, but occasionally a human is. But, you know, that's... No, no, no. Elves are, like, 99% of brights, but other people can be. But none of the other races that we saw in the movie are described as being able to be a bright. Oh, do you guys think fairies can be brights? Ooh, I hope so. They can fight their vicious oppression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, in this setting, fairies um, are humanoid, and they are they have no legal rights or autonomy or are considered worthy of life. I mean, they're literally fairy exterminators. Yeah, they're treated as pests when it seems like they have some form of intelligence and um, nobody seems to care. But anyway, um, some of the other lore, uh, there's the group, uh, the Inferni, who are trying to raise the Dark Lord from the dead. He was defeated 2,000 years ago by an orc named Jurak who united the nine armies 
We don't know from where. And defeated the nine realms. And defeated the Dark Lord. Together they all defeated the Dark Lord. And that so, was 2,000 years before this current story. So he's basically like Orc Jesus. So the Inferni are all elves. And 100 years ago, they wiped out the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Yeah. yeah. Um, and apparently you have to use three different magic wands to raise the Dark Lord. So I would have guessed four. <laughs> And, you know, the only way that you know you're bright is if you touch a wand and don't burn to death immediately. It is the ultimate zero-sum game. Yeah. All right, yeah. Oh, something on that. Something I was a little confused about, right? A bunch of elves are brights, right? Yep. And you have to have a magic wand. Mm -hmm. But as we know of, there are so few magic wands. They say you need three. And that makes me think there's very few of them. And Tika mentions that she knows a couple magic words, which you need a wand, it seems like, to, you know, put a spell into effect. Did How... you, did, did she? I wasn't sure because she seemed to be able to use magic without the wand at one point. Or yeah. was she holding the wand? Or, or maybe she could, like, do it in proximity to the wand when she no. stops the car. The wand did that on its own. Yeah, so that was part of a ward that was on the wand that meant it couldn't get very far away from the original owner. Layla, I think her name was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Will Smith's name in this movie is Ward. Hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) And uh, you also, you have to know that the wand chooses the wizard. It's true. (laughs) But the thing I was confused on was how available are spell words, right? That's a good question. You, you can only use them when you have a wand and you're a bright. And you're not allowed to have a wand if you're a bright, really, because you could summon the Dark Lord. So how available is this knowledge? You know what I'm saying? Well, it seems like something that the Inferni are especially like. They, they've probably been doing some research, going to some libraries, going to the Forbidden section, you know, checking out some books. Yeah, you're right. Every good library has a forbidden section. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I don't even walk into a library if it doesn't have a forbidden section. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's also this group called the Shield of Light that opposes the Inferni and is trying to work against them to keep the Dark Lord from rising again. Who? And when the Dark Lord rises, it's kind of assumed that he's going to kill off a bunch of people and bring about the apocalypse. So that's what they're trying to avoid. Doesn't seem like uh, he's got a, a real strong motivation for it, other than your typical fantasy uh, conquer the world logic. Yeah. He's a real Sauron type, if you know what I mean. The idea is that he'll kill off a bunch of people and then enslave the rest to do his dark bidding. <laughs> and what race was the Dark Lord? Do we know? Well, he, he, se- he seems to be most associated with orcs, but... It actually turns out, I believe, that he's an elf, or maybe he's just, like, a demon. I, I don't know that they ever really say... The orcs get a lot of blame for associating with the Dark Lord, but, like, throughout the movie, we it seems pretty obvious that it's the elves who are trying to bring the Dark Lord back, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense that the orcs are getting all the shit when the elves are definitely the ones who are most actively trying to bring back the Dark Lord now. Well, I have a point to make about that, uh, because what you're saying ties into the theme of racism versus relativism that runs throughout the movie. Well, this movie has a lot of racism. Yeah. So most people are overtly racist towards anybody who's not in their own species. But the orcs kind of get the bum trade of everybody being super racist against them and they are kind of on a lower tier than second class citizens they are kind of almost like untouchables Hmm. and people justify taking this position because of their alliance over 2000 years ago with the dark lord apparently most of the orc races um i think they originated from Russia, they um, allied with the Dark Lord and people still hold that against them. 
Thank I, God in the real world, nobody actually like treats other people that badly for things that happened that long ago. Yeah, yeah right. Thank goodness. Um. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, that's the fantasy part of this movie, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. No, 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 no. We're not getting into. <laughs> <laughs> but all when you think about it, I, this isn't the only point I want to make about this. But just kind of on the side. If you really think about it, it doesn't totally make sense because Jirak, who united people to fight against the Dark Lord, was an orc. Yeah, that's right. So why don't people remember that bit, huh? I think it's more convenient to remember all the people that were supporting him and just to subjugate them because it's easier to just keep them subjugated and so that the other species, you know, humans and centaurs... And elves don't have to share their social position with orcs. Yeah, but I mean, also, doesn't it explicitly say in the beginning that the Dark Lord united armies of, like, basically everyone? I think so. They just, everybody, the orcs are the scapegoats. Yeah, I mean, everyone participated, and then this one group gets shit on the most 2,000 years later. Yeah. You know, I gotta say, if the Dark Lord could unite this many people, <laughs> well, yeah, never mind. It's <laughs> no, maybe you're right. Maybe he's not so bad. Maybe it's a lot of like uh, bad publicity. Yeah, maybe he was like promoting like democracy back then and they were like oh no this guy's dark lord the the dark lord actually believed in egalitarianism and supporting each other and that's why uh people really hate him you know what that actually kind of tracks yeah yeah and he's like guys guess what the orcs you know people are scared of you you can be equal in my society and they're like oh we'll sign with this guy Hmm. and then hmm. This raises a lot of questions. I know. Yeah. I'd um, like to know more about the politics of the Dark Lord. Yeah. Let's give this guy a chance. Let's hear him out. Yeah. Well, first off, his name is not, you know, it doesn't provoke a lot of hope. Yeah, but that's probably just the bad PR, right? His name is probably, like, Jim. And then, like, all the people who were against him, who defeated him, because, again, or, sorry, because as we all know, history is written by the victors, so they were like, oh, this guy, Jim, he was trying to unite all these people, but we actually don't believe in his values, so we're going to call him the Dark Lord. <laughs> you know Jim, the the guy with the different political views? Oh, yeah, I know Jim. Oh, you know, he's evil. Well, uh, don't you think that's a bit extreme? No. You know, he's he's an evil master. Dark Lord, even. Holy. <laughs> let's let's kill him. <laughs> that's, that's my headcanon for how that went down. <laughs> Nice. At the same time, based on how uh, shitty a lot of the elves seem to be in this movie, I don't want to assume that they're trying to bring back somebody who's good. No, the elves are very violent. Yeah. And the reason that it kind of stands out as ridiculous to us and other people who have already analyzed this movie online is because this is a gross oversimplification of racism. And um, <laughs> just a little bit. It's very overt, right? We have the elves who are at the top of society. They represent the one percent. They are they segregate themselves and other species away from themselves, and they live at like the in the heart of LA. And they are the creme de la creme. They also seem to have, like, solid gold, like, dividers in the roads, like, to, to keep, like, lanes separated. Yeah. <laughs> They're rich. And now, see, this is something else I noticed that was, like, one of the most overt forms of segregation in the movie. There are publicly displayed signs that say things like elves only and on, like, city signs. Yeah. Like, it would be, like, you know, old signs in the past that were made by cities that specifically dictate what groups of people can use certain public assets and resources. We're talking, like, not even dog whistle, like, de facto racism or, uh, like, institutional violence. We're talking, like, just straight-up publicized segregation in this world. So we've got, like, lines about how people basically assume that orcs are 
very strong but not very intelligent and they justify their discrimination against them and say things that kind of essentialize the qualities of people in a way that is not conducive to creating any kind of unity or giving anybody the opportunity to be in a different position. Although at some odd points throughout the movie, Will Smith's character kind of acknowledges that humans have had a huge part in maintaining this kind of power dynamic, but it also seems like elves are the ones who are benefiting from it the most. So it seems like the elves might be the group that are kind of weaponizing humans against all the other groups of people. Definitely. Because they talk about, like, dwarves, but we don't see any dwarves in this movie at all that I could notice. I mean, definitely not anything that would resemble, like, a Lord of the Rings-style dwarf or, like, the kinds that we might find in other fantasy films. So I don't know if there's just none in L.A. for some reason. Or maybe they live underground. (laughs) (laughs) So, basically... This oversimplification kind of means that they miss their chance to say something more meaningful about the types of racism we see today to provoke meaningful thought in the viewer. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems to kind of give racism a pass to some extent. Yeah. I mean, we're, and I'm not, this is not me saying that like the movie is saying it's okay to be racist overtly. Because there definitely seems to be a, a feeling that what people are saying is not fair or not true. I mean, one of our principal characters is Jacoby, who's like really, I'd say, one of the few redeemable characters in the entire movie. And he's the, the main orc character. He's, but you know, at the same time, he says these things about how. He and his family are not accepted by orcs. He doesn't really like other orcs that much. He doesn't really have a lot of interest in being, quote, blooded, which means like doing something very brave and kind of coming uh, and kind of attaining some kind of coming of age. But then at the end of the movie, he becomes blooded by saving Ward, and then he seems to kind of like shift his tune and suddenly. He's a little bit more proud to be an orc, which I think is a good thing on on one hand, but also kind of mixes the message of the film. Yeah. Different characters chide the people that are perpetuating overt forms of racism, like when they say something derogatory about somebody of another race, but then the movie just completely ignores the systemic forms of racism that could have been a a deeper message in the movie, basically. I guess in that regard, the movie might be a bit more realistic. (laughs) It is realistic, but then it doesn't go beyond that to really kind of build on that. Yeah, I don't know that the movie has a whole lot to say. That's the problem. That's why it seems so ridiculous. Or so believable. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, one thing that I found kind of believable with the racism in the film was how the main character ward he was teaching his daughter not to judge people based on like appearances right Mm -hmm. to be accepting of all people when ward himself you know i suppose he's got like he's got a good heart but he's got a lot of racist tendencies yes definitely and i thought that was actually pretty realistic Uh, yeah you did the fact that someone who still preaches the message to be accepting to all people can still have a lot of problematic behaviors themselves yeah i i agree yeah and you know it's it's a common thing for people to subconsciously have prejudices like that or assumptions and uh it's okay just you know try to grow grow away from it the way that well not exactly the way that Ward does but Ward Ho- hopefully does, with fewer gunfights yeah much less mass murder hopefully but uh you know he grows out of a lot of it and I mean he's still an ass by the end of the film but he's more accepting of others in ways he did not consider yeah I guess in that regard he's a real Will Smith type <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny um 
that I guess David Ayer is really obsessed with the idea of Will Smith being like the greatest gunman in the world because he also directed Suicide Squad where Will Smith plays Deadshot. Is Deadshot a good shot? Uh, yeah, he's pretty good. Oh, I think he might be slightly better than Ward. Although, Ward seems to be a pretty good shot too. Which doesn't really pay off very much throughout the movie. Like, there's a scene where he shoots down these four crooked cops who are basically going to kill him and Jacoby. And, like, you would think that somewhere along the line he is going to use those skills again. But he doesn't. He just gets a magic wand later and uses it to incinerate Layla. Yeah, instead of them being like, maybe Jacoby, first orc, bright, that'd be cool. He's in a prophecy, might as well. Yeah. No, let's make the guy who's a sharpshooter, instead of using that skill in the last scene, magic. Oh, yeah. Let's give him that. I'm pretty sure that when Will Smith saw the script, he was like, all right, I will do this movie, but I have to be a bright. Like, that (laughs) that is my stipulation. That reminds me a lot of Samuel L. Jackson in Star Wars, where he's like, "I'll yeah, I'll be a Jedi, but I need to have a purple lightsaber." Right. Exactly. I won't agree unless I can have. It. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so he's just like, "Give me magic. I'm a bright." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention about uh, the characters in this film, with the exception, I think, of Jacoby, everyone is very mean. What about Tika? Tika, well, she has her mean... I, th- I don't know. Yeah, maybe she wasn't so bad. <laughs> but she refused to speak English to them. <laughs> well, speak... yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is it's not like she was refusing to communicate because Jacoby spoke Elvish. Right. Which means she was just being difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was. she was trying to... I don't think it's a very good motivation. I think we're lightsaber, or I'm lightsabering a little bit here. But, like, on the one hand, you could say that she is trying to, like, she she's refusing to def- to show deference to another person's culture at the expense of her own. But, oh. but, but practically, she would have had a much easier time getting the help that she was asking for by speaking English. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, she yeah. she just would have achieved what she was hoping to get, which was help and defense from the people who were trying to kill her by trying to communicate with Ward and Jacoby in a language that they would more easily understand. It's true. I didn't actually understand that she spoke English the whole time until you guys told me that. I thought that she got mad. She understood English after she resurrected Jacoby with the wand. She was like, oh, <laughs> magic. I, I know English. Oh, now. yeah. I mean, I can understand why you thought that because they, for some reason, either she just wanted to do this or she was being directed to act like she was born sexy yesterday. And so she was perpetuating the trope of like a manic pixie dream girl. Manic pixie dream elf. (laughs) She just seemed totally enamored with bright lights and people like she had never seen other humanoids before. Well, it's I the what I interpreted from that partly, and like not to say that they weren't doing that trope, but like maybe in in world explanation that I kind of thought of was that she had never been outside of Elven society, which is incredibly segregated and unique unto itself, and flawless in every way, <laughs> rich in culture and money. Oh. <laughs> it does kind of seem like she was raised in the cult, the Inferni cult. Yeah. She's an assassin, right? Yeah. Or she's an agent. Yeah, it seems like they're all, like, trained murder machines. It's just the movie is such a fucking jarbled It mess. is, it is. That's why I kind of glossed over it. The movie is kind of like like a kid with a jar full of marbles, right? And the marbles are all beautiful ideas and concepts for characters, movies, and scenes, you know, stuff like that. And then he's like, oh, I wonder which one's my favorite. And he just spills them all out. He's like, there it is. All of them. They're all my favorite. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's fair. Yeah, because everything in Bright, every character is like, let me tell you my backstory. <laughs> I'm an orc who lived in Miami, and it was a party every day. Now I'm in L.A., and there's no parties. I'm, so I'm in charge. I am glad you brought that up because I wanted to touch on, we've talked a lot about race, but we haven't, and we've touched on class. 
but we haven't really dug in the class. And I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't talk about class in the movie Bright. Yeah. Let's rap about class. <laughs> so that, that orc who's the head of the gang called the Fog Teeth. Cool name. He's like the orc headman, uh, which is like the person who is... He's like a gang leader slash uh, like most respected member of his community. And he actually has one of the most interesting backstories that he uh, tells us through very overt commentary. Do you want to explain for any listeners who don't know the term what a headman is? So in a lot of early anthropology, um, when a researcher would go into the field to a to a pastoralist or a, for, or a hunter-gatherer or foraging society, they would usually ascribe this status to typically a male person who is kind of the most respected member of the community. So usually this person is not ascribed the most prestigious status in a culture because they have hoarded or accumulated the most wealth but because they give the most to everyone else in the community so if they have a large stock of food they gain the status by giving out that food to the greatest to the rest of the community to other people Um, so that seems like the role that this leader of the fog teeth kind of um, fills and he describes it by saying that he came from miami Everyone was poor, but they still came together and had communal barbecues where orcs and elves and humans and all the other races of this fantasy setting got together and got along. And when he came to L.A., that was when he started to find that people did not do that, were more selfish or were more segregated. So it kind of gave like a little window into what class looks like in other parts of this world because we only get this microcosm that is L.A. Yeah. And, you know, um, he kind of represents this this particular view of quote-unquote lower class existence, right? Like, he doesn't have a lot of money or resources, but what he has, he's willing to share with everyone. Juxtapose him with the elves who are both kind of a socioeconomic class and a race because we get this vision that every elf somehow is wealthy and there's so i mean you to for that to be true either that it either isn't true or elves also have some kind of egalitarian system where they take care of each other but we don't really get any windows into that in this movie. And yeah. humans are kind of in this middle class position where they feel like they have the most to lose. And that's why probably one of the reasons why they are the most resentful of people above them on the socioeconomic hierarchy and below them. They don't like elves and they don't like orcs and they don't like anybody but other humans. And if you want to hear more about um, the discussion about like the racism of humans against humans in this movie, I strongly suggest Lindsay Ellis's video on this movie. Yes, it's a great video. Um, we've tried to touch on other points that she doesn't necessarily bring up, but there's going to be some overlap because uh, her videos are awesome and she does a really good job of talking about this film. Yeah. So check that out after you listen to this. Definitely. So a related theme that I picked up was on alliances and performing one's duty. Yes. And throughout the film, different races communicate to one another, to people within their racial group. Now we're talking about, you know, races as orcs, elves, and humans. The fantasy races. Yeah, exactly. Which I think are the term that's beginning to go out of style um, in a lot of fantasy or in in some modern fantasy but we're going to stick with it because it's a well-known one that people will hopefully have a good sense of and so people within a particular fantasy race will talk about having loyalty to one's race and they talk about you know like the orcs to one another often say that we're family we need to stick together against the other races we need to uphold the clan ways and there's an expectation. I don't think we've mentioned that Jacoby is the only orc police officer, like in America. And there's this expectation from other police officers that he will be loyal to orcs, not to the law. Right. And that is held against him, and he's judged for that. Yeah, and he's called a traitor for letting an 
in the backstory for letting an orc get away who shot Ward in the past. Also, he's attacked quite a few times for this. One of the reasons that he's marked as a traitor is orcs have these large lower tusks, and Jacoby has filed his tusks down so they're rounded and not visible. That's why the orcs call him a traitor, but the cops also call him a traitor, so he's kind of got nowhere to turn for support. It's true. It's true. Ward, even in one scene, makes Jacoby swear that he's not loyal to the orcs and that he's loyal to the law over them. Going as far as pushing Jacoby to say that, like, he'd die for it rather than side with an orc. Right. Right? He really pushes him into this unhealthy loyalty. Yeah, it's a troubling position that, that Jacoby gets put into. And the other character that is called a traitor, which I think Jack brought up when we were watching the movie, is Tika. Mm-hmm. Uh, traitor. Layla, her sister Layla, when she catches up with her, calls Tika a traitor because she went against their kind of elven family, the Inferni cult, to try to get the wand away from them and into the hands of somebody else anybody else perhaps the magic task force which is actually the a federal magic law enforcement in the movie the magical fbi basically and um so tika's trying to get this wand away and layla calls her a traitor for siding with another group so there are in the movie alliances to one's race seem like people assume that that runs deeper than alliances to an outside group that could be another race or it could be a governmental organization or a municipal organization like the uh, police force. But if you don't have loyalty to a governmental organization of any level, then you're also called a traitor. So how can anybody in this world win? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone in this world can win because we also see that like the, the police are kind of allowed to justify extreme violence against anybody and any group that they want. I mean, especially the orcs. Especially the orcs, because there's a scene in the beginning where the there's a, a group of police just committing extreme police brutality against orcs in the middle of broad daylight, and Jacoby and Ward pull up and just have a casual conversation while other cops are beating the shit out of orcs, and like it's they are so normalized to it that it's not even something that would register to them as something that would be unusual. Yeah. So what's going on with like the backstory and the things like the history of this world is it's it's a very mixed message. One more theme, actually two, but we're going to kind of mix them together. Resurrection and redemption. Themes that often get mixed in uh, any story that exists in a Christian Western society. Yeah. So we have this, you know, Chelsea touched on this earlier with the summary, I believe, where we talked about, or where she mentioned that there was a orcish folk hero named Jurak who united the people against the Dark Lord 2,000 years ago. And there seems to be like an orc prophecy that Jurak, who was killed and resurrected with magic... Um, will someday return in some form or that there's a or there's a prophecy that that will repeat itself and of course there's a prophecy because this is a fantasy movie and when Jacoby and Ward and Tika are with the fog teeth Jacoby gets killed and thrown into a pit and Tika resurrects him with the magic of the wand and suddenly the fog teeth who were intent on killing them all are kind of awed by this and associate him with Jurak and let them go, let let our prospective characters go, and seem to uh, like think that that means Jacoby is this prophesied hero of the orcs. Exactly. And it's an allegory to the Christian myth, and, and I use that term as like to mean sacred stories, the academic use of the word. And so it relates to the Christian myth of Jesus's death, resurrection, and rebirth. And the rebirth is a prophecy, a Christian prophecy, where Jesus will be reborn as a human again on earth. 
And so uh, he was resurrected like Jesus, but he's also kind of reborn at the same time. Yeah. Well, I think this movie puts the second coming in a bit more of a, a positive light than the Christian one does, because the Christian, you know, rebirth heralds the end times, whereas this rebirth heralds everything's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> are, are you going to start to worship Orc Jesus now? Oh, maybe. Jarak? Jarak. Or Jacoby. Yeah, Jacoby, he's blooded too. They're both, you know, they're both blooded. I don't know if Jesus was blooded. He probably could have been though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to Jacoby's second coming, he is a savior as well. And that is only shown when he comes back from the dead. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I see there are definite parallels there, obviously. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, then I think we can move on to evil, stupid or misunderstood. This is Evil, Stupid, or Misunderstood, the part of the podcast where we take a look at the main antagonist of the film and determine if they're stupid or misunderstood or maybe evil. But guys, who is the antagonist of this film? You know, that's a really good question. I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I think it's society, right? Society's the villain. We do live in a society. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to pin down the antagonist of a movie if there's no clear protagonist either. <laughs> you, you don't think Jacoby and Ward are the protagonists? In my opinion, they're pretty evil <laughs> they kill a lot of people they do kill a lot of people i mean i guess it's in self-defense and in a fantasy movie we tend to um chalk that up to like giving them a pass but they're also police officers they do seem to overextend their authority and their use of violence exactly so that's why i kind of considered them not to be typical heroes or protagonists. I, I mean, you might be able to say they're anti-heroes. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I have a theory on this. My theory is that uh, everyone is an antagonist, except for Jacoby, who's the protagonist. And then Ward is an anti-hero. Okay. And so is Tika. Tika's an anti-hero also. Yeah. She's a reformed cultist, so yeah. That, yes. that fits. But I think... Every character, even the characters we're supposed to like, that like Rodriguez, the other cop, right. who they call on for help, I think he's still a bad guy, too. Why is that? He tries to uphold the law, I think, actually quite well, even when Ward and Jacoby call on him for help. And he does show up, but it looks like he's going to arrest them because he, you know, wants the situation to be handled with, you know, lawfully. So maybe he's a good guy, too. You, your first instinct was right because when he when they when Ward calls him to come to that gas station and he asks him for help he wants to handcuff Jacoby because he wants to pin the crime of shooting the cops on Jacoby because he's an orc he says that he's gonna spin it that way because he knows other people are gonna want to that's what the story that's the story they're gonna want to create officially so he's just gonna give into it he's not gonna try to fight that that's what he said oh yeah you're right i do remember that so yeah that was that was not great a lot of people want to throw jacoby under the bus mostly cops just because they want him out of their hair but uh yeah when it comes to the villain i think it's almost every character and i think as a result of that you know, it's easy to say that it's stupid, but I'm going to say it's misunderstood because people aren't communicating. And if they if they communicated like Ward and Jacoby doing the movie, they'd get over their prejudices more. Well, at, at, like they did. at the end, up to that point, they're actually not communicating very well. It's true. After incredible loss of life, you'll get over your prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> I that's what, that's the message the movie is portraying. That's why he's joking about it. 
Yeah, but um, I'm going to go ahead and say society as the villain is misunderstood and stupid. I agree. I'll just say stupid. Society's stupid. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> now that we've blamed all of our problems on society, let's head to the smithy. Welcome to the Smithy, where we forge a rating for the movie after sharing an epic moment or feature. Chelsea, do you want to give us your rating in 1 to 10 wands? Yeah! So I have an epic feature to share. My epic feature is actually from the beginning title crawl of the movie, when we get to see a lot of the graffiti and uh, street art on the sides of buildings that's establishing kind of establishes the backstory for us through art and I thought that was really interesting so we get to see art about Jirak coming back again and the Dark Lord rising and so we get an idea right away of the different factions that are involved in the history of the world through the artwork and I thought that was actually pretty clever. I'm gonna give this movie two out of ten wands because of how poorly it handled the, its themes and how drastically the writing and the script missed the mark when they had a great opportunity to say something. And just because of how upset that makes me, I'm going to give it a fucking 2 out of 10 wands. Oh man, brutal. <laughs> An angry 2 out of 10 wands. <laughs> yeah, right? I never really get this upset about the movies. And like, there are parts of the movie I enjoyed. I just talked about the cool artwork and stuff. And there are other things, like the, the makeup was cool and stuff too. But just, it just pissed me off. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's tough, but fair. Yeah. Respectable. Okay. Jack? My epic moment was when Ward was spouting vicious hatred into one of the thugs he picks on a lot of the time. <laughs> There's like this orc thug, I guess, who likes to drink outside with his friends and every time Ward sees him, he just like tears him a new one. Really just like, it is very mean and cruel to this guy, but there's a specific scene for no reason. For seemingly no reason, he's very mean to him. But in this one scene, he calls him like a Shrek looking ass. Yeah. Chelsea, Jamie, and I were like, wait, Shrek still exists? And I, it's my headcanon that Shrek is like some great war hero from the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. But, uh, you know, that I just thought it was really interesting that he did that. But obviously he couldn't be a war hero if he's using his name as an insult. Maybe he could, though. I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> Where, where are my ogres at, you know? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was cool. That w that had to have been a Will Smith uh, improv line. Dude, it probably <laughs> was. I think you're spot on with that. I like Shrek, so I can't be too mad at him saying that, but, but it does make my brain stall like a bad engine, you know? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of this movie was, it was just like too much. It was chunky. It was chunky. It was like, it was trying to be milk, but it curdled. You know what I'm saying? Fair. It, it was, the pacing was not right. The message was not right. The dialogue was not right. The humans weren't right. The, uh, you know, I mean, the humanity personalities weren't right. <laughs> uh, the humans weren't right either. There were some cool fight scenes with flips and stuff. Some cool, yeah, but overall, uh, you know, Chelsea said it. I also was going to give it this rating, and I'm still going to do it. Two wands. <laughs> and it's not that I had a bad time watching it. It's that it was it was not clean. So <laughs> it was just too messy. Two, two out of ten. All right. Yeah. It is what it is. How about you, Jamie? Oh, I'm glad yeah. you asked. My epic moment was when Ward and Jacoby are trying to escape from one of the problems that is just constantly hounding them, which throughout which the film there are many, um, because they always seem to just kind of jump into some kind of problem 
and then get surrounded by a bunch of people and then get into a bunch of trouble and have to find a way out. So they're escaping from some problem that is hounding them and they go into this club where there's a band playing heavy metal music and we're told earlier in the film that uh, orc music or orcish music according to Will Smith is basically death metal which I was like oh dude well I guess I would totally be listening to orcish music then um, and they go into this club where there's a band playing who's playing this death metal and it's really awesome, like melodic, like Gothenburg sound, like In Flames or Soil Work that I was super into. And the band is like a band with like an orc lead singer and a human guitarist. And in this club, there's like elves and people of races that we don't even see throughout the movie. There's like somebody with like serpentine eyes and just like it's the most diverse place where everyone is getting along and enjoying the same music and the same party scene together it's the only place in la where we see people of different races getting along and hanging out and it's the heavy metal club i was like how perfect is that that was the coolest part so that was my epic moment of the movie boy i it is i am hard pressed to give this movie a better rating than you guys did i don't want to be the apologist for what is a very messy film i will give it three ones it tried something that i have not seen before but it missed the mark in so many ways it could have taken its inspiration from a lot of other modern fantasies that handle a lot of the themes that they tried to cover better and i think we're going to talk about one of those in our side quest but more on that in a few minutes but it just misses so many opportunities to be more than it was and that's a disappointment and i was really excited when this movie first came out i thought it was going to be really good and i thought it was going to say something more impressive and sadly i was not impressed so three wands out of ten Man, guys, we didn't even talk about the fact that there was a dragon flying through the sky at one point. There was, yeah. There was a lot going on in this movie. I thought about that, too. It's a big dragon, too. Oh, yeah. Like, the size of an entire neighborhood. Yeah. It's just flying overhead. We never hear about it. Oh, well. Let's head to the bounty board. Stumble into a dingy bathroom in the nightclub, your head spinning from too much smoke and too much drink. You turn to the sink, run the water, splash your face. You look in the mirror. You can barely recognize yourself. But you notice, written in the mirror, in felt pen, bounties? We have an announcement today. An announcement? Oh boy. We want to thank everybody who is following us on Facebook. We recently reached a milestone with our followers. We have over 100 followers on Facebook now, which is a milestone for us. We're growing, which is great. Thank you, listeners. That's right. Yes. Uh, everybody has to start somewhere, and we're building, so this is great. And we're happy to have all of the new followers and hope everybody's listening. And we have had over 200 streams of our episodes so far, at least just on Spotify. Booyah! <laughs> so those are some great milestones here. And we just got a message from the director of Viking Destiny that came out last week. Looks like we got a new fan in David L.G. Hughes. I was pleasantly uh, surprised to find a message from him on Instagram this morning telling us that he enjoyed our episode on Viking Destiny. And we really enjoyed making that episode and watching the movie. So thank you so much for checking it out. And we're glad that he enjoyed the episode and had a fun time listening in. So that's great. So everybody who's a new or existing follower, thank you so much. And why don't you, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends and family about us and maybe spread the word. And go watch Viking Destiny. Yeah. yeah. Keep an eye out for Viking Destiny 2 when, of course, we eventually are taken on as co-writers or side actors. Yeah. Our email is available at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, for any directors who might be listening in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, yeah, we, I'll be in Bright too. Also, 
Okay. I mean, that's fine. I, I, I will completely change my rating if uh, if David Ayer gives us a call. You are practically an orc yourself, so. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. It's, it's true. It, Jamie can be an orc, Chelsea can be an elf, and I can be a, a fairy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Horribly slaughtered on screen in the first scene. Oh, God. As they all... Will Smith just unloads on you. Oh, God, no. So thanks, everyone. We love you. Yes. How about we rewrite some history? This is Rewriting History, where we discuss our ideas for a sequel, a reboot, or a spinoff for Bright. Now, guys, they're working on Bright 2, but I think we got to fix some of the problems with the original before we uh, get too deep into this world. Yeah, I I originally thought we could come up with a sequel, but I think you're right. We need to reboot this thing. And something we were talking about before is one serious structural change that needs to happen is turning this from a film into a show. Yes, I think so. We need a lot more time to get into the themes, to explore the world, to have things not happen in such a rapid pace, but where everything is just kind of the same scene over and over again of people yelling at each other and the same type of problem existing. I want to turn this into a crime drama. That's my favorite <laughs> type of show, and I think it would fit really well into that genre. Okay, so we're talking Fantasy World Police Procedural. Exactly. I love it. And I've just got one quick thing to say. Jacoby with uh, an elf love interest. Forbidden, forbidden romance. That's all I can say. So maybe the, uh, one of the subplots is uh, Jacoby and his forbidden elf lover have a half-orc, half-elf baby on the way at some point. Could be an interesting subplot. I was always convinced that the half-orcs in Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition were half-orc and half-elf because they did not have any of the qualities that were generally considered human qualities in D&D. They were, like, really strong and also really dexterous and had good, uh, like, movement speed and everything. All qualities that the elves of D&D tended to have. Yeah, so they've already statted out this new character for the TV show. <laughs> Only if you go back to 4th edition, though. And I think the obvious choice for the love interest would be Tika, because we saw how we saw the great rapport between the two of them and how it built up over time. Yeah, she trusted Jacoby really quickly. Like, because yeah. he was so warm and he, like, he cared so much about her, he wanted to make sure that her needs were taken care of. He was truly the most relativistic character in the film. And I think that Jack's idea could be a great subplot for the second season. The first season, mm -hmm. love's uh, interest subplot would be them building their friendship and then having it turn into a romantic relationship. It doesn't always have to go that way, but I could see that happening with these two characters. Yeah. So I thought the main plot could be a transformation of this team. Like, we could have a similar plot where they run into her. She is... Tika could still be a reformed cultist. Yeah, I like that part. And um, she has hidden the wand, though. Instead of being so immediate, she's hidden the wand. Maybe she's found out about this human-orc partnership, and she thinks they might be open-minded enough to help her with her issues and so she approaches them okay maybe she does so through her friendships with the people at the shield of light who were giving her sanctuary and so the shield of light uh they have some hackers you know so they contact ward and jacoby on um tika's behalf and so they get pulled into this whole political drama by being contacted by the shield of light and becoming allies with that group and so you can pull in all of these characters from that group and and really play up this resistance movement yeah in the movie we only get this one guy who is like portrayed in not the most flattering light he's 
kind of portrayed like a um, like a mentally ill vagrant. Yeah. And it turns out that like he's part of this group that is supposed to be like protecting the world from the Dark Lord coming back. So I was not really sure where they were going with the portrayal in the movie. I would like to see that they're a little bit more organized and and have some structure to their organization. I and think eccentric is good. Yes, but I think that they could be like they could have legitimate uh, arms of their organization that are like nonprofit groups or something. I think that it should be a little bit more solidified as an organization. Yeah. To give it some weight and just legitimize it within the story. Also, one of the themes that was in the movie was following the law versus doing the right thing. And sometimes that lined up, but it didn't always. And that was always a really tough choice for a lot of the characters or a lot of, you know, the quote unquote protagonists. <laughs> right? Yeah. The arguable and, protagonists. Yeah. Working for the Shield of Light or helping out with the Shield of Light, they aren't really, you know, associated with the LAPD. Right. So a lot of the jobs that Ward and Jacoby would be asked to do could really conflict with some of their morals really nicely. Even though they're doing a good thing, they'll probably have to overcome a lot of their job biases. Yeah, and maybe how the uh, Shield of Light approaches these two cops to try to get them on their side and to get help from uh the law enforcement without kind of playing their hand and showing that they're part of this resistance movement maybe it's like the nonprofit arm of the organization reaches out to them for help nice and mm -hmm. i think in this i would like to see that ward and jacoby are are detectives actually i think that would rather than beat cops yeah hmm. i i think that would create a nice angle for them delving into this mystery a little bit more well that fits the uh procedural model a lot better yeah maybe they have like some other allies in the lapd who, yeah who are you know more sympathetic characters hopefully or like maybe civilian helpers of, of different types that like contacts and stuff that we can start to like meet some new characters meet some people who actually we have reason to relate to and connect to when we might not necessarily have that in the two main characters so much and i would like to see more nuance of the races i would like to see less overt segregation so that we could tackle some of these more difficult themes of institutional racism Oh, we have to revamp the races in this movie completely to make to salvage this in any way. Right. In the show. In the show. I think we've got a the skeleton for a great show here. A skeleton? Oh no, are there undead in this world too? Oh, there's gotta be. Oh yes. Alright, well we'll save the necromancers for season four. Yeah. Nice. Alright, well, with that out of the way, I guess it's time for a side quest. it's time for the side quest where we recommend another piece of fantasy media that you should watch after or maybe instead of bright and guys i've got the perfect piece of fantasy media that will solve all of our viewers horrible heartache after watching bright it's shadow run nice if you're not familiar with shadow run it's an rpg system that is set in a near future modern fantasy world where at some point in history people started uh giving birth to l like basically what seems to be elves and dwarves and orcs and trolls like from fantasy like suddenly they just start showing up and then dragons wake up and they've been around for thousands of years but they've been slumbering and they come and then they become the heads of corporations and corporations like take control of the world and everyone is just oppressed even more than you know you might see in maybe the real world uh whatever you know in other media you know people who work for corporations are literally 
uh, like can't leave the buildings and are just like kind of shuttled from their desk to like a little coffin shaped place where they sleep and that's all they ever get to do. And then there's like the people on the streets and they're the shadow runners and they're people who do corporate hits and take jobs from shady benefactors and just kind of cause all kinds of havoc and I, I just love it. I've been a fan of Shadowrun for years. I used to buy the books and even though I didn't have uh, anyone to play the RPG with, I would like read through every piece of lore and all of the manuals and then uh, I played the Super Nintendo game and then when they re-released or um, and <clears throat> and then recently when they did Shadowrun Returns and the um, Dragonfall and Hong Kong uh, expansion, standalone expansions. I snatched those up right away. So anything you can get your hands on Shadowrun, RPG, novels, the video games. I say go hog wild. Check them all out. Shadowrun rules. So go play some Shadowrun and make sure you play as a street samurai. That's right. Street samurai. That's your side quest. We'd like to thank you all for tuning in this week and bearing with us through the audio problems we might be having uh, since we're unable to record our episodes in close proximity because of the shelter-in-place order. We hope that you're staying safe and healthy and doing everything you can to stay sane in a mad, 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 mad world. Make sure to check us out on Instagram, at Swords and Satire, same handle on Twitter, and join our Swords and Satire Facebook group, for we are Legion. <laughs> yeah, if you go ahead and respond to any of our posts on there, you might get a shout out during the show, or you can email us at swordsandsatire at gmail.com. And send us your questions about the movies we watched, about, or tell us about your favorite fantasy movies, or just ask us about uh, ourselves. Yeah, just how we're doing. We won't tell you how we're doing until you ask. It's a secret. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Oh, no. Oh, spoilers. So, yeah, thank you for listening, and thank you to all of our followers. And until next time... Hail Crom! Dragons in Los Angeles. Uh -huh.